Good morning, I'm Pastor Dan from Life Church. Today we're concluding our message series, Jesus in Action, from the book of Mark. We're going to be looking at the final events in the ministry of Jesus in the last two chapters of the Gospel of Mark. This morning our message is entitled, Jesus is Alive. We're going to be talking about Jesus' trial, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. For most of us, this is a familiar story that's at the heart of what Christianity is all about. But today we're going to look at this story through three different lenses. The first lens is that of the historical facts and the implications for us today. Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost after Jesus rose from the dead, said in Acts 2, verse 23, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And so the death of Jesus was not an accident. It was not a defeat. It was part of the plan of God and the reason that God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world. After being dead in the tomb for three days, God raised Jesus up from the dead, never to die again. And so thus, Jesus is alive today. Without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no salvation. There is no hope for the future. Without the resurrection, Christianity makes no sense. But Jesus did rise from the dead. Peter goes on in verse 32, says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses to Jesus risen from the dead. All those who disputed the report of Jesus' resurrection could not produce the dead body of Jesus because it didn't exist. After Jesus rose from the dead, he descended into heaven and now rules and reigns over heaven and earth. Because he ascended and rules over all, he was able to pour out the baptism in the Holy Spirit on all those who asked for it. From the day of Pentecost until he returns again. Peter said in verse 38 to the people listening, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so the only logical, the only rational response to Jesus' death and resurrection for any person is to repent be baptized in water, and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is a historical lens that impacts our faith and salvation. The second lens we want to look at this morning is that Christ's story is also our story. Paul writes in Galatians 2 verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, <clears throat> but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so spiritually, when we, when we believe in Jesus, we are crucified with Christ. We die to our old way of life. We are also spiritually resurrected as Christ was, and we are born again, as Jesus terms it, to a new life lived by faith in Jesus. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so there are even greater implications. Since Jesus has been raised from the dead physically, we also will be raised from the dead and receive an eternal glorified body at Christ's return. We shall be like Jesus and live with him forever. The third lens that we're going to look at through this morning is that is a pattern for the stories of our lives. God has plans or might we say visions for our lives. But oftentimes these visions go through the same pattern that Jesus went through. In order to see God's plans and visions for our lives fulfilled, we need to understand this simple pattern. The visions that God has for our lives as the plan he had for Jesus' lives are, are not easy to be accomplished because of the opposition of Satan. Just as Jesus was ridiculed, rejected, and falsely accused, so we will face many attacks on the vision and plans that God has for us. In fact, there often comes a time when we think that the vision is dead, that there is no hope in it being fulfilled. And the temptation is to simply give up on it. And yet, if we persist in prayer, if we persist in faith, God has a way of resurrecting his plan and vision for our lives and seeing it fulfilled often in a miraculous way. So let's look at this familiar story through new lenses to prepare us for the visions and plans that God has for us in our day and time. First of all, Jesus was falsely condemned. Let's turn to Mark chapter 15, verse 2. Pilate asked him, that is Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And so even though Jesus was the perfect son of God, he never sinned. He was falsely accused of many different things, including blasphemy. Indeed, he was the king of the Jews as he ascended to, and, and that was considered treason against the Roman Empire. Pilate, the governor, did not want to execute Jesus, so he proposed releasing a notorious murderer named Barabbas. So Pilate answered the people and said, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And so the Jewish chief priests were insistent that Jesus be crucified. They stirred up the mob with false accusations against Jesus to side with Barabbas. Verse 12, And Pilate again said to them, what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And so the crowd consisting of Jews, Jesus' own people had turned against him. Even though he had done nothing wrong, they were crying out for his unjust execution. Verse 15, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And so Pilate, even though he knew what he was going to do was wrong, he gave in to the pressure of the mob and released Barabbas. And Jesus was taken away to be crucified. Now, we must understand that people are the same today as they were in Jesus' time. No, we haven't evolved. We haven't advanced. God is the same today as he was back then also. And, and Satan is the same and has the same strategies. And so we as believers and the church 
are being now and will be falsely accused of many things. People who are unbelievers are part of the world ruled by Satan, and so they tell lies and make false accusations like he does. In fact, the reason that people are unbelievers is that they believe lies rather than the truth, often unknowingly. And so when you are seeking to carry out God's plan for your life, you will encounter the lies of the enemy, the false accusations of Satan. Some will be direct temptations or lies that Satan speaks to you in your mind. Other lies and discouragement will come from people in your life or the false prophets of mass media. Every temptation that we encounter in life is a form of a lie, just as the first temptation with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Lies and, te lies and temptations must be countered with the truth of God's word that we put our faith in, just as Jesus did. And so God has a vision for your life. He has a vision for our church. He has a vision for our country. So don't be discouraged by the lies of the enemy, but believe that as you persevere in prayer, that vision of God will be carried out. God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So after being falsely condemned, Jesus was crucified. Verse 19, they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. And so as Jesus was being prepared for the crucifixion, the soldiers mocked him. They beat him. And so this demonic attack on the Son of God was carried out by these unbelieving soldiers. Verse 24. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Now, all aspects of Jesus' crucifixion was according to the prophecies of the Old Testament, down to the casting of lots for his garments. And of course, those prophecies speak again that the death of Jesus was part of God's plan, known to him from the foundation of the world, revealed to the prophets in the Old Testament, and now coming to pass. Verse 31, so also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. And so the Jewish leaders continued in their mocking of Jesus, indicating their complicity with Satan's attacks on Jesus. They, along with Satan, planned that when Jesus was killed, he would remain dead. That's what they expected, but that was not to be. Satan, as usual, had overplayed his hand and was actually carrying out God's plan. Verse 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so as Jesus was dying on the cross, the sins of the world were laid upon him. And God the Father could not look on Jesus with the weight of sin upon him. And so turned away from his one and only son. For the first time in eternity, the Father and the son's relationship had been broken by the sin of the world. Verse 37, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And so finally Jesus died on the cross, sooner than most of those crucified whose legs had to be broken. Mark indicates that the curtain in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place was torn in two. 
The Holy of Holies was the place where God's presence dwelt in the temple and could only be entered by the high priest once a year. And so the tearing of the curtain from top, from heaven to earth, indicated that the way into the presence of God was now open to everyone who believed. And yet Jesus' death was not, could not be the end of the story. We'll get to that in a minute. So let's talk a little bit more about God's vision and plans for our lives. God has many plans for each of our lives, plans for good, plans for our relationships and our families, plans for our work, plans for our ministry in the church, plans for being a, a witness for Jesus. And sometimes, I would say oftentimes, it may seem as what God has planned for you seems dead, that it's never going to happen. Now, we must be careful to be sure that the plan or vision we are thinking of is from God. For if it's not from God, God may stop it, and that is for the best. But if the plan is from God, sometimes he allows it to be challenged or to take longer than we think it should take. And that's where we must not get discouraged. We must persevere in prayer and keep our faith until it comes to pass. A classic example in the Bible is Abraham and Sarah waiting for the son of promise, Isaac, to be born. The promise seemed to be dead so many times and they got older and older and older, but they grew strong in faith and ultimately it came to pass. In my own life, I, I believe from my college years that God's plan for me was to be married and have a family and yet relationship after relationship, year after year, didn't work out and the years dragged on. And yet I didn't give up hope. And finally, I met my wonderful wife, Carol, and, and we were married when I was 38. And after being married at a, and being married at a later age, it didn't stop us from having seven great children. And so don't give up on God's plans for your life. Finally, and most wonderfully and miraculously, we see that Jesus defeated death. Verse 46, Joseph bought a linen shroud. And taking him down, Jesus down from the cross, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. And so after Jesus died, certified by Roman soldiers who were his executioners, he was laid in a tomb. A large stone was rolled across the tomb entrance to prevent anyone from coming in and stealing the body. We know that Roman soldiers were stationed to guard the tomb to also prevent any tampering. The government didn't want the body to be stolen and the fake news of Jesus being raised from the dead to be spread, if so they thought. Well, the story continues in chapter 16, verse 2. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And so when the three women, including Mary Magdalene, came to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body early Sunday morning, they were shocked to see the large stone had been rolled away. The tomb was open. They went in and saw an angel seated inside. Verse 6, the angel said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So the angel announced to them that Jesus had risen from the dead and his body was no longer in the tomb. As we continue reading Mark's accounts, we see Jesus next appeared to Mary Magdalene, to two disciples on the road, and finally to the 11 disciples. Jesus said to them in verse 15, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. 
Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so the disciples had been hiding in fear of the Jews and fear of the Romans. Even though Jesus had told them he would rise from the dead, they, they really didn't believe it. It seemed too impossible. And yet here he was, giving them instructions. Their task was to take the gospel to the entire world. Everyone on the planet must be given an opportunity to believe in Jesus. Those who believed would be saved and those who didn't would be condemned. Verse 17, Jesus continues, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And so those who believed, those who were followers or believers in Jesus, would be known by doing the same things that Jesus did. They would cast out demons. They would heal the sick. They would be protected from the attacks of the enemy. They would speak in tongues. And we see all those things demonstrated throughout the book of Acts in the writings of the New Testament. So the risen Lord was giving orders to his disciples back then that apply to all disciples of Jesus of all ages, including us today in the year 2020. Jesus is the Lord and we are his servants. Jesus has defeated death and in his victory, we are victorious. Now, according to the Bible, death is the greatest enemy and Jesus has defeated it. And so for the believer, death has no fear, for it is simply the doorway into the presence of the Lord. And if Jesus defeated death, then no other enemy, no other problem is too great for him to defeat. And so this morning, what things are you seeking God for in prayer? Either for your own life or for the life of someone close to you. Perhaps it seems as though the answer to your prayer is dead. It seems impossible. It doesn't seem to be coming. But with God, all things are possible. Keep believing and keep praying and God will raise up the answer to your prayer. Now you might be praying for a lost loved one or, or one who has wandered away from the Lord. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up hope. God will answer your prayer and bring life to the one you are praying for that is spiritually dead. Maybe God has a goal or a vision for your life, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Keep believing, keep praying. And in God's time, it will come to pass. The election has seemed to go against God's purposes for our country, but don't get discouraged. Don't give up hope. Keep believing for God's will to be done. Keep praying and believe God for a miracle. It's God's desire for our nation, for our government to maintain freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and justice in our courts. It's God's desire for us to live in a country that honors him and his church. God's will is to bring revival to our land and to give us a righteous government. Satan doesn't have the last word. Jesus does. He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Jesus has defeated Satan, death, and all evil. And so today we've looked at the trial, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for what Jesus accomplished for our salvation and for our future. As followers of Jesus, we follow in his footsteps in life. As Jesus was falsely accused, so we will be persecuted as well. As Jesus was crucified, so we die to our old way of life in sin. 
As Jesus defeated death through his resurrection, so we enjoy eternal life now and we look forward to the resurrection of our bodies when Jesus returns. Jesus is the victor and we are overcomers and have victory through him. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to repent and become a follower of Jesus. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to pray with me and to be born again. To do that, you need to, first of all, admit that you've sinned and turn away from that sin or repent. Believe that Jesus died to forgive your sin and rose from the dead and finally commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord. So I'm going to pray right now and encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. And I'm sorry. I, I turn away from that sin. I repent. And I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And that you rose from the dead three days later. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for Jesus' great sacrifice for us on the cross. We're grateful for the crucifixion that he suffered for us, and we rejoice that he rose from the dead, never to die again. And we thank you that he rules and reigns as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Even though we may go through suffering in our lives, we pray that we would persevere in believing for your visions for our lives. Help us to keep on praying and believing for your will to be done in our lives and our church. Today, we also pray for our country where the future of our government hangs in the balance. It's clear that a new administration is opposed to biblical policies in many areas, and yet it seems to be where things are heading. And so we pray, God, for a miracle. We pray for the re-election of the president, that the biblical policies of the most evangelical administration in our history would continue. We ask that you expose all fraud and corruption and may righteousness and justice prevail. We pray that your will would be done in America as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ this morning or like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us via the link below this video. We'll pray for you offer you some helpful materials. You can find out more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are open at 10 a.m. at 15036 Clayton Road, Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at lcstl.org give and on our website. Next Sunday, we begin a new message series, Jesus the Messiah with the message, Ancient Prophecies Revealed. I invite you to join us then. God bless and have a great week.